every great dream begins with dreamers. Tom and Steve are strangers in a strange land. Join them on the journey from ignorance to knowledge, one book at a time, one chapter at a time. All aboard the Blunderground Railroad. Welcome back to the Blunderground Railroad. We are talking about notes from underground, chapter number eight. My name is Tom, and my partner in crime is Stephen Hunt. How we going? And we are here to dissect chapter eight. Chapter number eight, Steve. Yep. Yeah. There you go. What do you think about this? I had a bunch of notes. It was uh, relatable. It was probably one of the easier chapters to get through, even though it was longer. Yeah, that's what you were saying, you know? Like, uh, it really spoke to you, you know? Like, in a, in a direct kind of way. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, like the very first note I have here is something easy that we can all understand. Uh, he says that there's no such thing as choice, essentially. Yeah, he's really talking about... This is really interesting, I thought, in this chapter, because he's really dwelling, he's really dwelling into this, uh, this concept that, that man... This greatest advantage, right? He talks about that in the previous chapter, the greatest advantage. Yep. That man will just do whatever it is that whatever it is that's not to his advantage to prove his own free will. Right. I Which thought, was a concept that I brought up that I was like I didn't understand. I'm like, well, it's impossible to, to do that, but I didn't really understand what he was saying until I read this chapter. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. In this chapter, he's kind of like debating. You know, there's the there's the other. I mean, there's always the listener that he's talking to, but in this chapter, it's almost like he's 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 referring to this whole scientific community. You know, yeah. uh, and I think that, and that's pretty relatable even to where we are uh, in the the current day. I mean, and, you know, we just got out of COVID and with the the whole COVID deal. Uh, you know, people talk about the science and the the scientific community. And so uh, Underground Man is really kind of talking to the, 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 this imagined consensus. And again, it's really interesting is he's talking about, um, you know, it's utopia. You know, again, is uh, this concept of utopia. And again, which is a bit, a bit more of a modern concept. Right. And that's um, when he was talking about no such thing as choice. Um, and where I didn't understand last uh, last chapter where he was talking about uh, how it would be impossible uh, if somebody knew um, the outcome for them to uh, to choose to hurt themselves uh, on purpose or, or do something uh, that wasn't advantageous to them um, on purpose. So I didn't realize what he was saying was if we create utopia, then we're going to create boredom. And then man actually will hurt themselves on purpose. I don't know. Maybe I was thinking of it like in a more simple sense, like a physical harm. But that's not that's not what he was saying. Yeah, it's interesting. At the end of this chapter, in chapter number eight, he references madness. You know, he says man would go mad and be rid of logic. Uh, you know, if if it came down to that. It's, it's I not to skip to the end of the chapter here. <laughs> we, we will circle back. We will. We will but, circle back. But yeah, my uh, my notes. I actually had a question mark on that. You did, yeah. Was, was the very last sentence is, twice two makes four without my will, as if free will meant that. 
I I don't know. I spent about a minute and a half trying to think of what the heck he was talking about. I'm like, I'll just ask Tom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, at the end, he, he makes the point that, you know, 2 plus 2 equals 4, and everyone, and that's good enough for everybody. But, you know, 2 plus 2 plus equals 5, like that also holds an allure. You know, it holds an allure for, for, for people. Uh, it, it, uh, uh, it, you know, it holds an allure for people to do different things. Um, you know, I think I was mentioning this to you the other day. You know, one of the things that this chapter made me think about uh, was it kind of, it, it makes me think about, you know, it makes me think about, and, and this comes off from left field, but let me explain, it, that this left, this fascination with this character, like in Batman, the Joker, right? We have this modern fascination with the Joker. Right. And so, you know, we have this character who, you know, acts in this outrageous way and, uh, and you know, usually involves a lot of killing and, 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 and such. Um, and it's because we have, we have these, we have this dichotomy and we have all these, we have these unbelievable paradoxes. You know, we have Batman is like, Batman is like capable of defeating these powerful people, and yet he doesn't have superpowers himself. And so that, in a way, is kind of is is kind of outside the realm. And then you know you have the Joker that comes in, and he's mad. You know, and so why is he mad? It's because Batman, the character of Batman, represents like this ultimate good. And so because we have ultimate good in the world that we now necessitate this ultimate evil. And so it's kind of like saying, well, if you're going to have a, a, a superhero that's going to represent um, that's going to represent justice, then you have in the extreme, then the opposite extreme must also be true. And so I think that in, in our modern society, people look to this to explain the duality of modern man within themselves, you know, that. When things get too perfect, um, you know, something, when things get too perfect, we always introduce something in the opposite. Uh, you mentioned this the other day. Yeah, fixing it until it's broken. <laughs> there you go. Well, I think you were talking about Tiger Woods, right? I think you mentioned Tiger Woods. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's just one example. Anytime we see people that seemingly have it perfect, and I, I understand that no matter who you look at, no matter how good it seems like somebody has it, Right. Uh, whether it be because of the material possessions or the image that they put off on social media, yeah. everybody has their own problems. I get that. But these people who seemingly have it just so great, they go off and they're the ones doing the wildest things. Or or maybe it's just because the media you know, chooses to cover that rather than the 34-year-old drunk lady from St. Louis who, I don't know, whatever, got a DUI last night. Like, nobody covers that. Like, that's not on TMZ. Sure. You know, but... Um, yeah, guys like Tiger Woods who you don't get to where they are without working your tail off to get there. And so you have all this discipline wrapped up into that one person who's shown it for years, not not just a quick flash in the pan, and then all of a sudden they do something wild, just yeah. totally out of character, like take their SUV, get drunk, and roll it doing 60. Why? Why would you do that? Yeah, and I think a lot of that, I think a lot of that, um, I think a lot of those answers are right here in this chapter. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think, look, 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 there are a lot of examples. Uh, Tiger Woods is a great example. And it's interesting because he's in golf. You can find a lot of these examples in sports, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, in sports. So, I mean, I'm a football guy. So, for me, it would be Belichick and Brady. Uh, but for you, you're a basketball guy. So for you, um, maybe it would be uh, like Kobe and Shaq, right? 
Yep. Like Kobe and Shaq. Uh, I think it was what, 2001, 2002, 2003? Uh, sure wasn't 96. Oh, yeah, no, it wasn't 96. Ah, no, no. no. So, Sorry. Uh, the, um, that Bulls fan. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the old, that's right. The Bulls fan. Yeah. Until they, until they trying to turn Derrick Rose into the next Michael Jordan. I'm like, he's <laughs> four foot 11. That's right. That's Bugsy right. Bogues could dunk over that guy. That's right. That's right. Get out of here. That's right. But you know, it's a good example, like uh, uh, Kobe and Shaq, right? Yeah. So they they had all these championships. They reached the pinnacle. So that's the pinnacle of the basketball yeah. world. Yeah. Now, and so what happened to them, right? I mean, they self destructed. Oh man, you want to talk self destruction? It's so funny that you mentioned sports and that this morning. Yeah. I don't know why, but I'm watching a documentary on the Miami Marlins. Do not judge me. Okay. Do not judge me. Oh, here it is. Right? If you've ever YouTube surfed, I won't, don't don't come at me with, wow, I can't believe he would watch that. You have oh, watched man. some weird stuff, too. Slave to the algorithm. Don't don't even let me bring up your history. Man, there I it will. is. Algor- <laughs> algorithm one, Steve so, Zero. I end up there, and if, if you can remember back in the heyday of the Miami Marlins, I mean, that just sounds crazy to some, <laughs> some of you that might not be old enough to remember this. That's right. Like but Jim three. Leland was, ma- was managing them at the time. And uh, they had Moises Alou, and they had a couple other people, uh, and they ended up going through, man, I, I think they ended up rotating through like 16 superstars. They actually won a couple of World Series. Um, the only two times they made the playoffs, they won the World Series. Yeah. Uh, Mike Lowell was another guy that they, like, they would get these guys built up, and then yeah. they would trade them away. Gone. Right, John yeah. Carlos Stanton, who used to be known as Mike Stanton, okay, they built him up. And as soon as his numbers came up, yeah. gone, traded him away. Right, traded him away. It was, and the funny thing was, you know who owned the Miami Marlins during the time they were doing all this? Who? The guy who owned Blockbuster. Somebody who's great, <laughs> obviously, at keeping things relevant and in business, right? <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk self-destruction. Wow, man. I don't, I don't know what business deals were going on behind the scenes, but it wasn't anything to keep that team profitable and successful. Because, Could you imagine them being a fan? I would have been infuriated. Oh, infuriated. I mean, just, it's it's unbelievable. I, yeah. But, you you get know, hope, and then it's like, actually, we traded. But then, of course, <laughs> they're, down, they're down in Florida, right? So do they, they even have a fan base? I mean, the fan base down in Florida, I mean, it's. Well, yeah, you know, you yeah, I don't know. Don't they all, like, leave? Yeah, I mean, they're all in walkers, and they're older, you know? So. Well, yeah. So they're all a watching lot more handicapped the, parking, I guess. Probably. The they're all watching from the hospital, I guess, you know? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was rough. No, I know. That was rough, man. <clears throat> but you see, these guys, they, they, they will blow it up, right? I mean, here. So the Marlins could have been the top of the baseball world. Mm-hmm. Kobe and Shaq, they could have dominated for years. I mean, they could have established a dominance. Yeah. Belichick and Brady have six Super Bowls yeah. together. I mean, yeah. and they, they, they could and look at Brady now. They could still be dominating even now. They could be on Super Bowl eight, nine. They could be they could be breaking every record in sports, not to mention just football. As much as I hate to say it, yes. So yeah, they could, and the thing is, is it's not sustainable, right? It, it, and that's the utopia I think that the underground man is talking about, right? He's saying, "Hey, you want this utopia, right?" Because like, think about sports fans. Sports fans, uh, if you're uh, part of a down and out franchise, so if you're in New York, right? You're a Jets fan, <laughs> right? Boy, I'm really I'm pulling out the sacred cows oh, today, Steve. No. Man, I said, well, man. Oh, I know a Jets fan who's going to listen to this. Oh, man. I'll tell you, I'm, pull, I'm pulling out the sacred cows right now. 
So, I mean, and then, you know, listen, there's only so many draft day, there's only so many draft day hangovers you can have, you know, you can, <laughs> right? There's only so many draft parties you can really hold. At some point you think, wouldn't it be great if we could, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could have it all? You know, we could, we could have this, we could have it all. It'd be great if you could have, well, and it was Winkle there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, uh, so, you know, and you figure... Mark Sanchez, by the way, he does have some incredible stats. I just want to say, what at USC? No, no, no. He's he's got some. If you look up who he's beat in the NFL, yeah. Right? Oh no, that's he's true. One of the only quarterbacks to have beaten the list of people that he's beaten when when he beat them. Well, now he's also got the butt fumble. Yeah, and he's got the butt fumble, and he had a great running game in those 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 uh, years too. But I'm, I'm just great saying, defense. I mean, right? He can look, man. He can yeah, play better. Reeves, he play better than me. Shot. Okay. I'm I'm not a That's Jets true. fan. I'm just trying to lift the man up a little bit. <laughs> no, you're, he's doing a good job. He's doing commentary now. You know, he's okay on the mic. You know, yeah. He's got the look. He's got the voice. You know, so probably more listeners. Well, maybe. I mean, probably, <laughs> probably, uh, maybe actually, because I didn't know he was. Oh yeah, yeah no. He, he's I figured he just took his money and ran because that's what I would do. No, no, no. He wants to look good. He looks pretty good on TV. So you know, they put him on. They put him behind the mic, and he gets on TV sometimes. Oh, well. Yeah, well, you know, there you go. I guess Brady has a career when he's done if he wants one. Yeah, no, ten million, but he's not getting paid to say anything. I don't care what he says. He's getting paid to go to the golf course and hobnob with people. You know, yeah, I think Brady takes showers with ten million. I, that guy's. <laughs> I, why would you want to do anything when you're worth a billion dollars? Well, why, why do you want to go out on the football field at 45 years old yeah. and get run over right. by 310-pound dudes Yeah, at 45 years old when you're worth a billion dollars? Because. Because. Why? And, and, and because. You'll find the answer is right here in this chapter, right? You can go back 150 years, and Dostoevsky had this solution. He had to haul it down because he doesn't want to be a piano key. I mean, right? He wants, or he's out there because... Well, okay, so why would he be out there when he's worth a billion dollars and he's doing all this, right? So he's out there, and it's just, you know, utopia is boring. I mean, what is he going to do? I mean, right? I mean, so, because the thing is, is, right, think about it this way, right? You get out of football, and then you go home, right? And so the thing probably for Brady that's difficult, I don't know this at all, but I'm conjecturing here. It probably has to do a lot with his kids, right? You think uh, his kids, I mean, I think it's got to be really difficult for him to be a dad because he's never around. His kids are totally disjointed from what it's like to be in a normal life. And I would think being a dad in the Brady household is like, is, is not the easiest thing to do in the world. And it's not even a problem he has to necessarily worry about half the year because he's not around and the kids have been raised kind of without him. So, and so, um, I would think being dad is really difficult for him. And so, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to go from, you know, it's too disjointing. So, you know, it's 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 too disjointing. You know, from being a total success, and then you go you go into that. So you want to you want to be able to create. You want to be able to create enough excitement, enough challenge, without having to step out from where you are. I don't mean did, did Does that see? make any sense? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah cuz did, did you see his uh oh, his press conference for uh, for whatever reason he had to give an account to the media uh, for his <laughs> I did, yeah, his, no doubt. Was it 11 or 16 day absence, whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, it was. And see that thing is I always go back to his kids because and you can relate, see, cuz we're both dads, right? You're a dad and I'm a dad. Yeah. So, I mean, we're both dads. So when I look at him, I I think, man, like how can you do that? That's got to be so difficult, you know. Well, when you got a billion dollars, you can hire some decent babysitters. 
Well, yeah, it's not always about babysitters. I mean, you know, you got to be able to, you know, I mean, I, his only hit, he didn't say anything about kids. He just said, I'm 45. I got a lot of stuff <laughs> going on. He did. Yeah, no doubt. And if I knew it was going to be relevant, I would have screen grabbed this awesome Facebook post. Yeah. It claimed to be the quote from Brady. Uh, it started with his first real sentence, he said. Oh, it did. And it kept going with oh. like a fake rest of it. Oh, and it was right? a, ama- yeah, he was like, I'm just barely figuring out who Walter White is right now. <laughs> so he goes into this thing about Breaking Bad and like, <laughs> like new technology that he just now figured out existed. I have to see this. Oh, I tried to find it again. Oh, and man. It's on some obscure Facebook page. Oh. Somewhere out there, somebody deserves a lot more credit than. Than what it got. That's pretty great. That's it pretty was great. Great, man. That is pretty great. And I. That was the only reason I found out he really did this press conference is because I was like, "Ain't no way he he did not say this." So I'm googling it and I found out like, "Oh, okay, he really did say the first sentence." Okay, but the rest of it was like, no. "Yeah, the rest of it was yeah." <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't mention his kids and stuff any, anywhere in there. But I I know that that's important to him. I mean, that was his uh, his initial reason for you know retirement. Right. Right. <clears throat> well, I mean, he's got like, you know, and it's it's one of those things. I mean, like, because we're both married. I mean, right? I always figure that, right? It's really difficult to try to, you know, it, all the dynamics in family is, I, I can't imagine doing that with sports, you know? Because no. you always, you have to, you have to change your positioning and what you're doing all the time. So I, I can't, I can't imagine. But, you know, for him, I would think that if he was still winning the Super Bowl every year and have all these accolades, it would get boring. After a while, you know, I, I guess that's what happened. Well, but look now, there are talking that there was this um, there was the story about Miami about him going to Miami. So mm-hmm. he leaves the Patriots, right? He's with Belichick, and they're at the top of the sport. Yeah, it's utopia, and he's like, I'm. I would rather go mad than have to win another Super Bowl with this guy. Like I can't stand it anymore. Like I don't want to have to stand next to the, this this guy. You know, Robert Kraft on my right, Bill Belichick on my left. I can't do a single more second. So he goes to Tampa Bay and he wins it there, right? Yeah. And he finds out that, well, hey, you know, I don't have to deal with these two guys, but it's a lot of the same, right? And then we find out now that, oh, he wanted to go to Miami. And what did he want to do? He wanted to do something he'd never done before. He wanted to be an, a part owner and a player at the same time, something the NFL's never had. So, you know, and that's at this point, and this is where Brady's at in his career, because at this point, it's so passe. People look at it, and, and people have already figured it out. Like, you don't have to be the underground man to understand this. People look at it, and they go, well, what's the next thing he's going to do? He's going to, you know, win the Super Bowl on the moon. You know, he's going to go, well, now, next time we're going to have the Super Bowl, <laughs> it's going to be on, like, you know, it's going to be on the plains of Dover on the on the moon or whatever, and, and he's going to win it on another planet or something. Something's got to be there to stimulate him, you know. And and ultimately, people will turn on him if he if he if he doesn't stop, because he's got the supermodel wife, he's got the billion dollars, and, and people are not gonna people are gonna say, hey man, this guy needs to keep changing the game so that he can stay stimulated. He's got the trophy wife, he's got the perfect life, and people are gonna turn on the guy, you know. Oh, the, man, the Super Bowl was not a, just a given to him though. I mean, there were a couple times where. Uh, luck just went his way. It, it wasn't like they went in and just dominated the Super Bowl every single time. Well, the yeah. Man had luck and stupid decisions. Like, I don't know, Pete Carroll handed him a Super Bowl oh, one yeah. time. Well, no, that's true. Got that's- Marshawn Lynch, but 
Yeah, let me let me go ahead and throw it from the one, I think. Right, right. Are you kidding me? Right, but then look at how many opportunities that fostered, though. See, that victory uh, led them through 2016, 2017, and even, you know, by the time, I think, 2018, 19 came around, he was, he was done. But um, they, they got so many more years out of that, even if it was happenstance. So I don't think that – because they went so long. I mean, Brady and Belichick went longer than other people have in other sports. Yeah. So I think that's a testimony to the fact to what you just said is a testimony to how long it went. But people are not gonna people are not gonna stand for that. It's not in people's nature. You know, they, they get something that's so perfect. Good. Cause I didn't like it from day one. <laughs> well, I mean football, but life in general as well. You know, life in general as well. Like in the book it's the utopias who are trying to they're trying to social engineer, right? And that's another thing. I mean, social engineering, right? The social engineering of society towards um toward the ultimate good or toward the ultimate right. I mean like, so, you know, you would have to figure out um, these four things, right? Uh, in the book, The Underground Man says, there's four things you would need, right, to know before you could establish a utopia, before you could establish a, a table, like a mathematical table. Like, what a decision depends on, what laws, the deci- uh, by what laws does the decision arise, how the decision develops, and what the aim of the decision is. Uh, and so, um, you know, it's like, and, and this is what dominates these guys' life, like, right? And we were talking about sports and with Brady, what decisions depend on, right? Kobe, didn't Kobe, Kobe used to make 100 free throws before he would enter practice. So he would, he would come out on the court and he would shoot 100 free throws before practice began. And that was every day. Uh, Brady, he's got the avocado ice cream and all that sort of thing, right? I mean, by what laws do decisions arise? Whatever I need to win a championship. You know, the goal is to win the championship. How decisions develop, uh, you know, uh, everything is based on what he needs to do. You know, Brady uh, is the one, he's always saying, I need to do things on a certain timetable. You know, so, you know, when things happen. Yeah, the whole TB12 thing. Or yeah, whatever. what they eat, you know what I'm saying, and all this other stuff. And, you know, by, you know, what the aim of the decision is. So, you know, for him, it, it does kind of become, it becomes like like a robot. And then you see all the championships as they accumulate and everything becomes kind of, you know, and it, everything becomes kind of, it, the pursuit of excellence becomes the new standard, and it becomes boring. So, you know, and it becomes boring, and then you be, end up becoming, um, and then you end up becoming like like the piano key, right, you know, uh, or the organ stop, I think uh, they call it in the book. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess for most of us, we'd be like, well, how is it so boring to win that many Super Bowls? I mean, and have that many people buy your jersey and just want to talk to you and be so popular. Um, but if you look at the amount of work they put in and sacrifice uh, that they make uh, to get to where they are, right? then, yeah, I, I suppose that level of uh, admiration can only carry you just so far before you're like, yeah, it's really not worth it anymore. Yeah, no, I think, you know, in the book he always says, he says that man would have, in this environment, right, man has no need for free will and they have no need for desire. And I think that second one, desire, is where it really focuses in. Like on Brady, right? Like, where's the desire? I mean, if you, like, what does he desire? Does he desire newspapers and, you know, to, to or or fans to admire him? 
he already has it, you know, and what does he desire? So what, like leaving, right? Like leaving training camp, uh, if he went to spend time with his family. Mm-hmm. So perhaps he desires to be a better dad, right? Because that's part of his life that is not affected by, by, by the football. It's, it's separate, you know, it's, it's something that's separate. So therefore he says, well, forget training camp. I'm going to go home and spend time with my kids. Right, so that's a desire to be a better dad, but that's nothing to do with all these championships that he's won. So therefore, he exercises his free will to he exercises his free will to to uh, make that decision to not be in training camp, or uh, someone may go to another team, you know, like a like a like a like a shack, you know, or someone may retire. They may blow up a dynasty, uh, or they might retire um, and might do and they might do that. Um, so that would be um, an example of someone exercising free will to give themselves the desire, you know, to give them to, to move their life towards something that they would desire. Well, Michael Jordan did that. Yeah. You know, his, um, his entire drive was winning. If somebody challenged him, he was so competitive. Um, yeah. And it all came from... Uh, when he went to uh, Laney High School, um, he actually didn't make the varsity squad. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he took this all the way to the Hall of Fame speech. And he wow. told him, he said, you made a bad choice, dude. <laughs> yeah. I think that was his exact quote. Man. Um, I, hate, so, I, I hated watching him at the buzzer, man, because it, it was over, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean it's just, and you look at his face. You're looking for strain. No strain. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Another day at the office. So good. Yeah, but that that was his competitive drive. I've watched so many documentaries on him. Mm. There was a, a book written about him. It was um, the, the biographer actually uh, went around with him, had like all access to oh, him. Oh wow. Yeah, the book was called Rebound. Oh, nice. One of, one of the better books uh, I've ever read. Yeah. Um, and it you covered you? everything. One day I'm going to catch up to you. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it, it followed, I mean, even his drive into the uh, um, into the, the, the stadium for, the, for that day, uh, to, whether it be practice or whatever it was. Um, and it would detail his phone calls, and he'd be making gambling bets on phone calls. What, Michael Jordan? Yeah, he'd do that on the phone with people. He would? Yep. Uh, and he would. He was so petty uh, in a couple of documentaries I watched Yeah. where he would, in the locker room, some of the staff that worked at the stadium, yeah. United Center, um, knew him pretty well, but obviously they're not, they don't got Michael Jordan money. Right. And he's like betting them just retarded stuff in the locker room, and he'd take their money. He would, yeah. He would. He he, yep. he wouldn't just leave it. No, no. Yeah, no. But see, that's the thing, though, you know? And that's the thing is when you're you're at that level, I mean, right? When you're at that level, you you need like, you know, reason doesn't triumph over desire, right? Like reason would say, I'm the best in the world. I'm going to go in today. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to hit the court. going to win the game by 30 points i'm gonna go home you know i mean right like reason doesn't triumph over desire not at all not at all you're gonna end up in the locker room making a bet with the janitor right or yeah 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 i believe it was golly (laughs) right yeah but uh 
And, and there was <clears throat> he was at his camp one time, and he had yeah. uh, that that was the top high school prospect in the country. Uh, I believe his name was um, Mayo was his last name. Okay. And um, <clears throat> I guess the guy was like just taunting him, like, "Man, you can't guard me. You can't guard me." Uh. So he said he had his campers there. You know the the, the younger guys. He's like, so. I couldn't really say what I wanted to say. Yeah. He's like, so I ended up sending the campers out or whatever. And he said, you know, come over here. And uh, they played one-on-one. And he said, from that point on, it was a lesson. And he said, when he got done, (laughs) he said, you may be the best high school player in the country, but I'm the best player in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wow. Man, wow, there it is. And and he heard other NBA guys that were like, I was terrified of them. Yeah. He came on the court. That was it. Dikembe Mutombo was one of the the best shot blockers of all time. Yeah. And uh, when they were getting ready for the All-Star game, um, and he didn't end up doing this to him in the All-Star game, did it during a regular season game. Wow. But Dikembe was like, no, you've never dunked on me, Mike. And he's like, I've never got you because he'd gotten everybody else. I mean, Patrick Ewing, he's got a very famous dunk on him. Yeah. Um, But then, uh, yeah, he ended up dunking over Mutombo. And he didn't really make no big deal out of it, but he let him know with a little little finger wag that he did when he ran back. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that's what Matumbo used to do to people. Yeah. Uh, when he blocked him, he's like, "Oh, got, is that I right? He you. did. He got you. Yeah. I got you on a poster. Man, it's great. And, uh, it's great. Larry Bird used to call. He used to tell guys what he was going to do. You know. He'd when say, you kidding me? They, remember, remember the three point contest when he won it in yeah. his warm up jacket? No, he I came know. into the locker room that That's day. Right. Do you know what he said to everybody? Yeah, he said, "Who's you? Y'all competing for number two? Yeah, yeah. Who's yeah. playing for second? Who's playing for second? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I know." <laughs> That's that's like Steph Curry when he, he takes some of these threes. He would tell starts running back down the court before they're in. He would tell guys. He'd say, "I'm coming in bounds here at this spot." He'd yep. say, "I'm going to dribble three times on my right. I'm going to my left and I'm jumping right over you." Yeah, and guys would be like Larry and be like, "Nope." And then he grabbed the ball, boom. Just like you said, three to the left, you know, three to the right, over to the left, boom. I thought you were thought you were a football guy. I, I am, I am, <laughs> I am. You know, as you I, I come across this stuff and it sticks in my brain, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got a great Michael Jordan story actually too. And we'll get to the end and I'll have to I'll sign us off with that, you know. Okay. You'll really like it. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, you'll really like it. You'll like my, my Michael Jordan story. I can't not like it. I got two stories. I got two stories. I got a basketball story, I got a football story. Fair enough. I'll watch you that. I got Michael Jordan story and I got Adam Vinatieri story. Adam Vinatieri story. Well, he's deserved. Uh, he's deserving of that. I should say he is. He is deserving of that. Uh, considering the quarterback and the coach get all the recognition, right? And I do believe Vinatieri helped out in a couple of Super Bowls. Yep. Yep. Very much. Yeah. Three so, of them. Yeah. yeah. And then one with Indy too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You bet. But um. But yeah. The. Uh, but you know. Um. But yeah, you're not going to have that because, uh, and in the book, right? They always talk about he talks about na- um, reason and will, right? He says reason is a part of life, but it's not all of life. All of life is is like the will of life. It's the whole human life, and so it includes reason, but it also includes all of life's impulses. So, you know, and like you know these things. So like. At the same time, it's like you can't consider a life to be worthless because you can't quantify the perfection because you, humanity will never reach it because they're always going to screw it up. Oh, yeah. So on the one hand, you can't say that a life can be considered worthless. But on the other hand, what is it that 
that keeps us from reaching that. You know, I know as as Christians, for us, I mean, it's original sin. Yep. And, you know, as much as we've done, and so it's interesting to see uh, at least, um, you know, it's uh, fascinating to talk about sports, but the um, at least to see in our modern society, people have tried to take m- original sin out, and they have tried to to take it out of the modern discourse, to take it out of humanity. And you would think that taking it out has taking it out has caused us. Well, we either try to take it out by legislating it out or through means of social media. Mm. Uh, we think we can influence uh, other people away from doing whatever they're doing that, that we don't uh, happen to agree with. Uh, well, yeah, I can. I mean, it, uh, politically, the, uh, the issue of, of original sin... It's very destructive because politically, you can always use original. See, in the old days, when many people had a similar understanding of original sin, it was an assumption. People would assume that, hey, man is a sinful creature. Right. Then both sides were basically trying to save people from themselves. All right. And they were trying to manage the situation in different ways. In our current society, it's much, much worse because now that people don't acknowledge or they don't believe in original sin, and they, they don't they don't assume that about people, then politically original sin becomes something that you bash your opponent with, but you also use it to shield yourself. Oh yeah, you know you say, well, my opponent does bad things, and they do it probably because they're a bad person, right? right? But then you know they don't. But then if you're going to vote for the other person, you're going to vote for the person who says that. Then your assumption is that there's no underlying sinfulness there, and so. You know, the absence of original sin creates this this hateful dichotomy between the parties. Whereas, you know, the other day, I was actually, it's interesting, you were talking about YouTube. I was watching some old debate footage uh, back from um, back from 83, uh, 1983, and, and, uh, and, and I've gone even back further than that. Uh, but you can see how, you know, there's kind of like this, you know, you don't get that sense that people are looking at each other for their intentions or their motivations. You know, they're saying, hey, you know, like, you know, they're looking, like, Reagan's looking at Mondale, and he's thinking, and, and he's, you know, there's no animosity there. And, and he's looking there, and he disagrees with him, but he's not ascribing this motivation to him. And that's something that we do in our modern day is we ascribe motivation because we assume that, because we assume that, hey, you know, that I'm doing it right, you're doing it wrong, and if you continue to do it wrong, then you must have bad intentions rather than both people falling short of the glory of God, of perfection. Right. And then both being in need of a Savior, both people being in need of that bridge between God and man, then it becomes about individual intention. Yeah, that well, that extends all the way to the medical profession. How many editions of the DSM do we have? That's people trying to define what a problem is, or figure out where that problem comes from. Uh, very interesting. Oh, and by DSM, you mean? Uh, what are they? The diagnostic and... It's how they... I can't remember. It might be the diagnostic and statistical manual. I cannot remember. Oh, okay. But, um, it's, it's where they list all of your medical definitions. Like, if you have PTSD, like here's the criteria. If they, if they come out with something, if, yeah. if they, I'll say if they come out with something, if they can identify, uh, let's say, 
a new form of autism or something. Right. Uh, it'll go in there, and then here's the characteristics of that. Sure. You know, it's just man continually trying to figure out what God has already figured out for us, and they want to define it somehow. Well, and that's exactly right. You know, yeah, we, know. we have to quantify what it is. We can't just go, it is what it is because God made it what it is. Yeah. We've got to, it's just our our natural curiosity and our need to know. We got to know. We got to know where this came from. We got to know why this is. Mm-hmm. Well, God told us where it came from. That's right. Yeah. God told us why it is what it is. You got it. But as we lose that objective truth more and more and more, like we've talked about yes. in previous podcasts, and everything becomes subjective, well, you got a million different avenues you could come from. That's why those debates used to be very substantive. It was very like, right. here's how I approach this issue. Here's how he approaches this issue. Right. Not, we're we're yelling at each other. I mean, the, that, the Trump-Hillary debate sounded yeah. more, I think there has probably been better high school debates that sound more civilized than that. Oh, that really was embarrassing. Are. Yeah, it was. I, I agree. And the Democratic debates, too. I mean, I watch those with my kids because I'm trying to teach them civic lessons. And, and, <laughs> and it's like, I mean, I might as well just, I don't know, I might as well just take them and take a walk through the junkyard, you know? I mean, Yeah, just head through Chicago. It's yeah, probably I more mean, civilized. I, no doubt. I mean, right? I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm like, what am I doing, you know? Like, I, I just want to run away. I just want to hide my head, you know? You know what, kids? Never mind. Let's, let's just turn this off. Let's have some ice cream or something. This is a bad idea. <laughs> right. You're pretty much. Yeah, right. Pretty much. You say, hey, you see all these people? Like, never. Like, I just, we never see. Just turn around and run away. I never know? thought this would be a back-in-my-day conversation. Man, right. <laughs> back-in-my-day when the debates were civilized. That's right. You're exactly. Yeah. No, this no is kidding. the presidential election debates. Oof. Like, we are... We are debating to figure out who we want to vote for as the leader of the free world. Right, I know. And it sounds like you guys may as well be saying we're going to put a soda machine in the senior hallway. And that's why we should be president. <laughs> right, right. It is getting petty. Right, no, no, no. no. And, and, and scary, really, honestly. Yeah. Uh, all jokes aside, I mean, when in the world... Have we gone after former presidents with the FBI for for no reason at all? We're raiding former presidents' homes now. Well, I just think yeah, the, the TV? yeah the rhetoric is 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 it's 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 you know the the things that they'll say about the about the opposing party you know um, the things that they'll say about the Republican Party. I mean, it's kind of like you know. I, 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 hey, you know, I'm not stupid, you know, right? And it looks like they they they. They'll call them all sorts of different, you know, they'll call them terrorists and they'll call them. Right. It's and then and for me, I think the thing that gets for me is that it's all about narrative. You know, people I swear allegiance to a narrative, you know, and um, they can have logical inconsistencies that make things that make no sense. Right. You know, like um, like the other day. Right. So uh, the, the other day when Biden gave the speech and he was talking about uh he was talking about gun ownership, and he said, uh, "He said, well, these people. He said, these people that think they can overflow, overthrow the government uh, with uh, with their guns, they're crazy." He goes, "If if they uh, if they want to overthrow the government, they got to be prepared to, to to fight an F-15, and they're going to need a lot more than just a gun." Well, 
does anybody did anybody tell this guy that like we've you know that we've had January six hearings which have been about what the overthrow of the government by a bunch of dudes with helmets and selfie sticks? <laughs> I mean they didn't they didn't need guns to do what they did. Yeah, and so and they say it's overthrow of the government, but then they say no, if you're going to overthrow the government, then you're going to have to take down an F fifteen. And so, you know, there's a logical inconsistency there. I'm going to, yeah. You know, you know, but when the president can't see that, then you're forced to go to a place where you have to start questioning his motivations. And that's just crazy, you know. Well, I'll chalk that one up to it's Biden. <laughs> I mean, he could have read the script wrong. He could have not taken his meds that day. I, I, The guy has said some off-the-wall stuff. That might be one of the more coherent things it probably is he, yeah. he has said it probably uh, isn't but that's because there's not the one writing it and you don't even know who's writing it not you don't know who's running the country no and the things that they're willing to say in public kind of makes you well it doesn't make me wonder i already know the the, the narrative that's going on behind the scenes but mm. yeah it, you know it should point out to a reasonably intelligent person uh what they're doing behind the scenes. If they're willing to come out in public and lie to people because they know they can get away with it, yeah. because people don't have time to look into things right. at all, or half the country's on board with what they're saying because they're just ignorant um, and devoid of all math skills and common sense, uh, then what are they What are they saying that's not on a microphone? You know? Yeah, not you know it's interesting. In 2016, you know the, the the Democrats were like, "Well, no one's running the country," you know. And then in in now 2020, Republicans say, "No one's running the country." You know what's going to happen? What I mean, we've had eight years, right? Of we've had eight years of this kind of mess, the slow decline, yeah. where like no one's really run, what did we we're basically running the country by like committee, I guess. And <laughs> and like, what's going to happen if like two questions? Is someone going to run the place? I mean, right? Is someone going to take charge? And then number two is, what in the world is going to happen when that happens? I mean, right? Communism. (laughs) Maybe, you know. Golly. Golly. Yeah. And that's the thing is, is, you know, they keep inflating. And that's the thing with me. They keep inflating, and then they keep sending out checks, and they keep inflating and sending out checks. I mean, eventually, you know, you you have the poor classes collapse, and they can't survive unless you're sending them checks. And then it just becomes moot, you know? Maybe. Maybe it circles back to the book and they're bored. Maybe America was too good. You know, there's a lot to that. There's a lo- you know, honestly, there's a lot to that. There there really is. There really is. That's a profound statement. We could talk about it. We could actually have a whole separate podcast about it. Um really could. Uh there's there's um 'cause we were we were flying high and riding along there for a good little while. Yeah, you know, we really were. And and the thing is 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 you know, you need you need it's it's the decadence, you know, and and, and it's it, a lot of times <clears throat> it's the decadence. Uh uh especially in the urban. We have a big we have a lot of problems say for example with urban and rural. And so we have and, and it go, it comes down to the shrinking middle class where you have the elites populate the urban areas. And so the urban areas areas are places of excess. And then the rural areas are places of want. Uh, and so, um, especially in the urban areas, you see there's all this success. I mean, people get bored because they're like, you know, they have all this money and they have all these things that they can do. Um, but then in the cities, you also have intense poverty. 
So you have a lot of this kind of like this psychosis, like a lot of the 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 wokeness and a lot of the 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 the, the secular secularization of religion, you know, through language, through 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 power dynamics that you see is a lot of ways it's a way to occupy the upper classes and and the elite classes and and it's a way for them to engage and it's also a way for them to distract and blame in terms of of what they see uh, on and what they see on the opposite you know or, or what they see the poverty that they see uh, they don't necessarily have to they don't have to stop and look and say well you know, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's not a good idea. You know, they, they kind of will jump to conclusions, you know, and, and we've been doing that. I think both sides have done it. I mean, you look at them, you know, like at Columbine, when Columbine happened, you know, a lot of people on the right were not willing to stop and say, well, you know, I used to have a friend of mine and used to say, you know, used to say, you know, things are getting so bad for kids these days. And you people on the right don't even know. You're just blind to it. You don't even see it. And so you don't stop to think about what's happening. Uh, and so, uh, and you could see it. I mean, you could see people on the right were just, would, would come out like after Columbine, well, it's this, it's one thing, it's that thing. And, and they would, they would, they would, they would paint with a broad brush and they really wouldn't stop to think about things. Uh, and, and now I think these days you do see it on the left. People see, they see all this intense poverty and they think, well, you know, I have this great life and all my friends have this great life. And it couldn't possibly be that me and my friends are, you know, caught, you know, have okay. this social responsibility. It's got to be, oh, it's got to be racism. You know? I, that's that's part of where I I refuse to uh, think that our our leaders, if you want to refer to them as that, mm. are, are that stupid. Um, you're not going to tell me Nancy Pelosi doesn't have some idea of the homeless crisis in San Francisco. You're not going to tell me that the politicians in the state of Washington don't have any idea about the homeless crisis in Seattle. You know, I, the list goes on. Phoenix, Las Vegas. Yeah. There is so much poverty out there. And I'll give you a good example of why I, I don't think that they're that stupid. While he's not a politician, he is one of the people that runs the world. Yeah. Bill Gates. Oh, sure. How long has he been doing philanthropy, right? Oh, yeah. He's right. been doing that, what, I, since I was a kid. Sure. I'm 37 years old. This this guy's been doing this 25 years. Sure. You know, um, it doesn't take that long to build a metropolis, even, Um you look at them throw up skyscrapers nowadays. I mean, a couple of years, you got one done. Yeah. Uh, Africa, right, where he's been down there doing philanthropy work for 20-plus years. Oh, yeah. It's still mud huts. People are still poor. Right. The guy has billions and billions and billions of dollars. Right. What have you been doing down there? This is why I don't actually believe we were... We were, uh, you know, riding high and doing great for any period of time. Oh yeah. I no, I don't. I don't hold to that belief. I, since the New Deal, I am a firm believer that the billionaires of the world have been in control of this country. Oh yeah, yeah. Sense, Absolutely. Oh, yeah. The the Bilderberger meetings and all that. Sure. You're not ever going to convince me that the Fed and the billionaires do not control this world, because. If it doesn't make sense, as a reason, it doesn't make sense. Right. How in the world can we just give? What did you say we gave a half a trillion dollars? Yeah, it's a half trillion. So five hundred billion dollars yep. to Ukraine. Right. 
how can we just keep printing money? Right. With and just ignore it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Even the dumbest person in America is starting to wake up to this. Yeah, that's true. You know what I'm saying? Yep, it's true. The only way you can get away with that is if you know you can back it up. Right. Well, the United States certainly cannot back it up. We would be run over by Russia and China if they even if they tried. We we would we would be. I hate to tell you that. Mm-hmm. So you're going to tell me the only thing propping us up right now is mutually assured destruction? I'm going to go with no. Absolutely not. Because if they came over here with conventional weapons, they could still beat us. Would we press the nuke button? Nope. Because so would they. Right. And if they wanted to beat us the best way, the smartest way to beat us, economically. Now, Russia's not doing so great economically. China's got a pretty big economy, though. They could let up on their people. A little bit. Yeah, their economy is kind of in trouble now. I mean, Be- because of COVID. Yeah. Self-inflicted. Right. No, this is true. all done for a reason. No, that's true. I'm sorry, but I don't even believe that there is a separate, like, oh, well, there's a China and there's a Russia and there's the United States. We're being made to believe that. But there is one group of people that controls all of this. Why do? Why in the world... Could we be totally energy independent? However, we decide to be part of OPEC. There are behind-the-scenes deals. There are one hand washes the other deals that we don't know for sure happens. But as a reasonably intelligent person who can do some research, you can go, this does not make a whole lot of sense. Look at the bribery we caught on tape from Joe Biden. Talking about the billion dollars. Remember oh, that? Yeah, right. Still gets elected president, right? Right. Yeah, wrong. No. He can get 73 million votes. There's no way. I, I do think that there's, you know, I, it's it's hard to comment on, it's hard to comment on global conspiracy because it's, in a way, it's kind of unprovable. But I do agree that global elites, global elites have no invested interest in, in national identity or national. Then why do they all meet together? Why do the Bilderberger meetings exist? Right. Well, because they have common interest, and so I do agree on that. I mean, absolutely, I do agree that um, I do agree that uh, uh, that uh, they have common interest, and that they want to protect and prolificate those interests. Uh, you know, the American Empire, for example, the American Empire. You know, and it, it goes back to like, for example, what Trump, what Trump would say, "America first, right? Mm-hmm. So, "America first is kind of a synonym for, "Hey, you know, American exceptionalism, American, American." empire should benefit america mm-hmm. right and so right now kind of what we have is we have american empire benefits the american elite who have transcended america and now work in conjunction with other global elites mm-hmm. you know i can't it's hard to assign motivation you know it's kind of like turning the frogs gay you know like you know like alex jones was saying that forever and he's like oh they're turning the frogs gay and everyone would say this guy's crazy right well, it turns out it's actually true, right? They 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 uh, they, they got a paper at uh, University of California. I think they were doing Alaska as well, and so they actually proved it. Like, yeah, there was a college in California working together with an Alaskan research place. They were actually taking frogs and they were turning the frogs gay. Now, why were they doing this? Like, I don't know. I don't think he oh, knows. No. Uh, like, I don't think he knows. I don't think anybody. I mean, I, I don't know, and so I can't say. But uh, it was kind of a, it's like, hey, they actually do this, you know. Now, why do they do this? I don't know. I can only conjecture. But that's kind of the scary thing. You can't really say. 
Could could you imagine getting assigned to that? Um, you know, that's kind of where you go. I don't know. This is kind of a gap between me and that guy. You know, <laughs> I mean, I hope right? I hope there's a green cane. Yeah, right. Man. There's like a big gap there. Like you know, like and and like we may both eat breakfast every morning. But like similarities, it, man. In there. Yeah, that is it, man. There, there ain't no, there ain't a lot of similarities. Like, I mean, I don't know what he's eating, but or it, it's just uh, like after that, our similarities are ending pretty quick. <laughs> All right, wow. So, I mean, you know, so there is crazy stuff, and you could say, well, the global elites really meet and look after their own interest above national concerns and above the concerns of their constituencies. The answer is absolutely they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And so that's it. But, you know, as far as why do they do that, I'm not sure. But, yes, they do absolutely do that. No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, and I think, again, I mean, it's, it's you know, w- what do you do? I mean, right? I mean, you know, look at, um, again, and, and, and this is, the, I think this is the great, it's interesting that you say this because you can look at it, you know, you can look at it as a conspiracy. But then also you can look at it as incompetence. On a third way, if you're an underground man, right, you can look at it as the will. You look at it as, you know, uh, as the will. So, so basically, you're looking at it as, as the greatest advantage. So, because you can have it all, right? I mean, look, all right, let me give you another example. We're kind of thrown out. We're kind of throwing out some modern day examples, and so uh, hopefully it's not too disorienting for folks. But like, look at Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Okay. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio—he just dumped his girlfriend, yeah, right? Because she just turned twenty-five, and like, so I don't know what the girl's name is. All right, so I'm not too, I'm not, I'm, I don't know, I don't know, the, I don't know the supermodels' names, but, but you know, so, so Leonardo, Leonardo, I can't say the name. So Leo, right? Yeah. He's got this smoking hot chick he's dating, right? I mean, she probably, she stops a clock whenever she walks in the room, you know? Right. So, and then she turns 25. I think she turned 25 yesterday, day before that, I think it was. Gone, right? And she's done, right? There's a Leonardo. I mean, he ain't, I mean, look at Leon, Leo, man. He got the gut going on. I mean, he's got middle age. I don't know how old he is, but he's got the, he's got the middle age gut going on. Yeah. He's got bad skin. He's got that kind of like sour look on his face. So, I mean, he's just looking like a regular guy, right? But he won't stand it. She's 25. Hit the road, sweetheart, man, right? She got thrown out right on her hind end. And then tomorrow, I mean, he'll be dating another 21. And there's a chart. I see a chart, right? You can look at the chart. Leonardo DiCaprio, right? And it's got all of his relationships. And it's unbelievable. They all start at 21. And then they all end at 25. And so the dude gets older. And he's been doing it since he was like 25 years old, right? Like he was, he was 25. He's been dating like 25 year olds, and he gets older, and he just dumps them and gets a new one. So right, so he, he does this all the time. So now he's yeah, he's in the process. I got, he, I guess he ordered one from Amazon, and he's waiting. And right. I guess it's gonna come a couple of days, and I have to unbox that sucker, and and then it, and then it's gonna start over again. So, but the thing is, is that, but the thing is, is that. You can have it all, right? I mean, you can be the movie star. I mean, Leonardo, I mean, that, he doesn't get much better than that, does it? I mean, I, you know, the guy can just, he just, he can just, he's living in that four-year span, whatever, right? So you'd think that he would have it all. You'd think it'd be great. But then, you know, and you wouldn't even want to put that out there. I mean, if if I was doing that, I wouldn't want the world to know. I mean, we'd have to flaunt it. And then, but I don't know. Maybe it's just this, it's this, this will, it's this, this ultimate advantage, you know, he wants to, I don't know, ruin it for himself. I, 
I had a question mark after the note I took here, but I don't really have it anymore. Um, the definition of man. Uh, oh. The underground man said, ungrateful biped. The ungrateful biped. I, That's it. Think, I, I don't follow Leonardo DiCaprio, so I have no idea. So I'll to take your word on that. But um, 25, man. What an ungrateful biped. Ungrateful biped. <laughs> ungrateful biped. And this is the thing, is right, is because... Because, and this is the whole thing, right? And I think this is what the underground man is talking about, like, with subjectivity. Like, how can Leo, like, Leo doesn't look at normal guys, right? I mean, he's not sitting around looking at normal guys. He's not sitting around going, well, you know, I mean, he's not sitting around going, well, because I figure, okay, he's probably not a smart guy. And, and he makes this point, the underground makes a point, right? That man isn't stupid. Because if man is stupid, mm-hmm. then who is wise, Right. Right? I mean, so man is not stupid. So Leonardo DiCaprio is not a stupid guy. And so you're looking at the world two different ways. You're going to say, okay, on the left hand, there's a bunch of guys in the world like Tom and Steve. Right? And so we want to do the reasonable thing. We want to have reason and logic, and we want to have utopia. So, you know, so he's thinking on the one hand, Maybe I should live like Tom and Steve live. Maybe we should be dad in the home, right? And then on the other hand, he's out on the boat, and the girlfriend turns 25 years old, and it's hit the road, sweetheart, right? So which way is best to live, right? So, like, who can say, you know? So if you can't say... Well, that's the whole thing about trying to put yourself in other people's shoes you know you never really know what you would do until you're there i guess um but the underground man did bring up finally this was another relatable point to this chapter like yeah he brought lot, up, lots of that here yeah yeah he brought up um moral uh obliquity oh man that's sin yeah sin right right there it is that's what there that is. is call it for what it is you know? Call it like Larry Bird in three-point contest. Yeah, man. yeah. But he he finally uh, brought that up. He gets to it, right? Yeah. And it's like you read the book, and then you're wondering, you're like, is this guy going to see the obvious? Right? Is he going to say it? Yeah. And then here it is: moral yep. obliquity. His worst defect is his perpetual moral obliquity. Perpetual, from the days of the flood. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's right. Yep. And he talks about the evidence of it is all throughout history. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he says like the word rational, you can't even say it like it gets stuck in your throat because when you apply it to a human being, it just sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Some yeah. some more than others. Uh, right. There's some more <laughs> than others. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, and, and the thing is, 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 you know, like he, he talks about the good intentions. Right. Mm-hmm. But the the good intent. But see, moral obliquity, the word is the word moral there. Because, like, an underground man talks about it. He says, okay, so if man is going to fulfill all these good intentions, you got sleeping, eating, and sensualizing without end, right? Sensualizing. So everything for the senses, right? It's all got to be, you know, we call it sexual in this day and age because, you know, that act encompasses all the senses. But sensualizing, everything is sensual, 
You know, and, and again, I guess, I mean, we were talking about Leonardo DiCaprio, right? I mean, so perhaps maybe that 21 to 25 is where his senses come alive and that's where, but it's all about sensuality, right? It's all about the senses. You have to stimulate constant stimulation of the senses. Yeah, well, to go back to points you've made before, look at our phones. Yeah, exactly. Try, for, for some of us, I'd say me included. Try to go a week yeah, without your phone. Right. Right. Some of us more than others, but right. if you're not addicted to something, that'll show you what it feels like to try and quit. Boy, it's true. Yeah. I, I'm not a smoker, drinker, none of that stuff. Never yep. have been, but. Sure. So I don't know what addiction feels like, but it's been likened to that. Yeah. I and mean, that kind of like opened my eyes like, yeah, wow, we constantly need our senses Stimu- like stimulated by something, you know? Yep, stimulation. And um, that's not always been a thing, you know? Uh, that's really relatively recent. If you think back to when we first had the automobile, mm. just think back to prior to that, right? So we're talking in the 1800s. So what are we talking here? Maybe 170 years ago we're talking here. Yeah. And people are still taking horse and buggy places. You got your one room schoolhouses. Yeah. Um very simple life. Mm. There was no constant stimulation. And if we look at uh, how the Bible describes that the last days are going to be, yeah. That you know, these events are going to get closer and closer and closer like like birth pains, right? Yeah. Uh, look at how quickly knowledge is increasing. I mean, right. that is one of the things you started hearing, I think it was in like the early 2000s, like people were scared to buy a computer yeah. because they said, basically, by the time the thing ships and gets to you, you know, it's going to be outdated. That's we'll, right. We'll have already figured out something more advanced than that. Yep, that's exactly right. Uh, and, you know, there's a device in front of me that talks to outer space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Hello. It's incredible. You know, it's really, it's the fine line for humanity. It's always been between survival and stimulation. Mm-hmm. Right, so when 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 survival is your main goal, and and you might know this, it being in in a war zone, right? Yeah. When survival is your primary goal, and it's realistic, like you're acting to survive, yep. that will re- you you're in a different reality from someone who is not in that situation. Yep. I mean, you're not you're not even in the same room. You're not the nope. same house. You're not in the same country. You're it's totally different. Nope. No, I I I call back here fake life. Yeah. Ever since I've got back, I call this fake life. Yeah. yeah. This is just a big bubble that we live in where right. most Americans just think that, you know, they take for granted just right. going to the gas pump. Yeah. Filling up their car. Yep. They take for granted opening right. the fridge and there's going to be food there. They yeah. take for granted until COVID kind of maybe woke some people up to this, going right. to the grocery store and just grabbing a roll of teepee. Sure. Exactly. Having a toilet to use, having running water. Yeah. And yeah, some exactly. people are starting to wake up to this. The West is running out of water in certain places. Right. Yep. And they're going, oh. Yeah. They're actually starting to have those thoughts. What yep. would it be like to be a human at a very basic right. level and just have to survive? Yeah. Look at Jackson, Mississippi. Yep, there you go. Deion Sanders this morning just had to, he put out a a tweet saying that, um, uh, or maybe it was on Instagram, whatever, it was on social media somewhere, saying that he was going to have to move all of his players that lived in the dorms off campus somewhere and put them in hotels because they had no running water. That's what it was. Yeah, no no running water. Yeah. 
And these these are the disasters that are closer and closer yeah. and closer together. The tropics, I'm not going to predict anything right now, but sure. they're they're heating up. Uh, we've been through the the first part of hurricane season, the first month of hurricane season. Right, nothing's happened. Not anything. Seem a little weird to somebody. Yeah, do you little, think we want a little odd? Pay, little pay attention, maybe. Yeah, right. might want to start perking them ears up. You live down on the Gulf Coast, Florida, anywhere there. Right. Because uh, you're probably about to get demolished by a pretty bad storm coming in. And when that stuff happens, mm-hmm. you know, for us that live up here in the Northeast, if Houston gets yeah. wrecked by they, flooding. They just took the nuke out of Mar-a-Lago, so nu- he's not going to be able to nuke that storm when it comes up. <laughs> I mean, they were, we're just it's not going to be good. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's it, man. They took away the nuke, man. I was hoping they'd be going to launch it from Mar-a-Lago and put it right in the center of that thing. Well... <laughs> <laughs> No, not any, not anymore. No, no, not anymore. He could be down there talking about the storm, though. We have the greatest storm. <laughs> that's right. That's Unbelievable. Right. It's the best. Everybody that's loves them. That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> a lot of people have been talking about the storm. <laughs> but when when one of those things happens down there, okay, like yeah. I literally lived in Harris County in Houston, sure, right where that really really bad flooding from Harvey was. Okay, like my house, I think, was under a foot of water. Oh man. Okay. Yep. My my old house, mm-hmm. and this was. I, this was two years after I left. Wow. And already, because I'm here, yeah. I'm looking out on the news and I'm like, wow, I used to live there, huh? Well, three days later, I forget about it. I move on with my life. Yeah, right. Exactly. That is that it can't happen to me mm-hmm. bubble that people live in up here. And when it happens on a big That's level, true. which That's is true. if you interrupt our supply chain, oh yeah, it happens quick. Real quick. Real quick. When that canal got blocked by that shipping container, I'm trying to remember exactly where it was. Was was it in the Panama Canal? Was it? Uh, I, th- I don't I, think it was Panama Canal. But one of the shipping ports, that container got turned, uh, the, sh- the, the container carrier got t- turned sideways. Yeah. And it ran aground. Oh, yeah. I started right. to really worry about that because right. having worked in the transportation industry, I've been a truck driver. Sure. I understand how quickly shelves can get empty. Yeah. And then having been to Iraq for two years, mm-hmm. I know what it's like when there are no shelves. Right. Right. That is a scary prospect. And most people here in America, no clue how to deal with it. Yeah. None. They wouldn't survive. That's right. They wouldn't survive. That's right. It's within two weeks, people would be shooting each other. And I'm being generous on that time frame. Yep. You know, I'm usually hungry at the end of the day if I haven't eaten. Right. <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. And and past that, any anybody take any medications out there? Anybody have any meds? I, there's a prescription bottle sitting in front of you right now. Yeah, that's true. I had four when I woke up this morning. Yeah, I know. I took them an hour ago. You, where do those come from? Yeah. Uh, fi- look around and yep, find right. something that has not been on a truck. Just If you're listening, just take a look around your car, your house, wherever mm-hmm. you happen to be sitting, yep. you know, your bathroom, you're listening on the toilet, that's fine too. Look around. <laughs> find something that has not been on a truck. Yeah. Good luck. All right, good luck. And the social collapse. I mean, I, you've seen the videos from L.A. I mean, right the, about the Seven Eleven. It was that no. was recently. No. Yeah, there was a it was a mini riot. A group of a uh, group of group of people uh, basically just ransacked the Seven Eleven, and there must have been forty, fifty people. And oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, they've been doing those those mob things for a while. That way, nobody can really get identified, and they can just grab as much as they want. No, that's what it was. You can't identify anybody yep. because there's so many people, and I think it was forty or fifty people, and they just went in and they threw out. They, there was nobody there, and they threw out the clerk, and then they just yeah. ransacked the place. I mean, they tore everything apart, took everything. I guess I've never understood the not being able to identify people because my TV has pause. Right. 
Well, they probably don't want to. I mean, they, you know, they probably. I don't know. Do they think it's worth it? Do they think? I'd stop there. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, if they if they were smart enough to go through that process, we probably wouldn't be talking about them having done it. Oh yeah. Oh, going through. Oh yeah. Some of these guys are pretty smart because there was a Seven Eleven they tore apart, and I I look because I always go because I can always tell from being in the industry how smart these guys are and man these guys were smart they knew that they they knew and most of them did right they left the lottery tickets alone they they, they knew the gig because you can trace them because you can trace them right i mean if somebody wants to steal lottery tickets go right ahead hey you want like this book go take this one hey you want another one i got one right now here yeah this one too the more you take the easier it is to find by the way pal you want to go over there hold on a second i'll go get 10 more for you You i'll give you that stack here here's something to scratch them with right exactly you know because as soon as you go to cash in your winners you're gonna have a armored truck outside it ain't gonna be full of money outside that much (laughs) i love it right so but these guys they were ransacking the place and no one touched the lottery tickets i said man these guys are smart they got it all figured out okay but you say that and it made me think of a question for you because i know you worked in convenience store industry sure. for a long time. Yeah, sure. So I don't got a hankering for Cheetos and Bud Light bad enough uh, to make me go in and knock off a Seven <laughs> Eleven. What else is in there worth any money besides the scratch tickets? Well, a lot of it, cigarettes. You know, uh, they, tobacco products. Yeah, tobacco products. They because there was forty or fifty of them, and so each yeah. one of them wanted to be loaded with three or four cartons minimum. You yeah, know? I guess I didn't think about because that. they want three or four cartons for themselves, and they want to sell the other three or four. And so that will give them cash liquidity. Still, that ain't, man, like 300 bucks is worth running in and, and knocking over a convenience store for? I mean, it depends. I don't know. Vanity. I mean, you can steal flat or something, your favorite drink or your favorite something or other. I don't know. I mean, part of it is just the destruction, too. I mean, there's 40 people in there because they couldn't really fit. So there's 40, 50 people in there, and it's not big enough. So things getting knocked over. And so if you're going to knock over a, a thing of Cheetos, then you might as well stomp and kick it and... Burn can, it and, can you imagine arguing after that, like, like, or you're in the middle of it, like, man, somebody was being so rude right now, like, <laughs> get out of my way, like, I'm trying to get to this. No, if it was me, I would totally be like, listen, man, chapter eight of Notes from Underground, right, clearly, okay, I mean, it's the bigger, it's a bigger picture, officer, there's the will, and then there's the rationale, okay, and I'm sitting here, and I got these Cheetos, and they're on the floor, and there's 50 people, and this guy's swinging, and this one guy hit me in the crotch, and, you know, I just don't care about reason anymore. I'm going to tear down reason, and I'm going to burn the Cheetos. Well, hang on a second. You said that they they didn't hurt the clerk. They, they just sent the clerk away, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, I mean, so I, the uh, clerk probably ran like... So your story's clerk. wrong anyway. There's not going to be an officer there. That They just take a report no, no, over no, the no, phone. No, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, no, I'm like a fantasy land now. No, no. <laughs> they, they do that. They take a report over the phone. Like oh, they do now, yeah. someone's not injured. Yeah, no, I know they will, and they'll tell you to go to the. They'll tell you to go to the the um, the 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 police department. I said, "Well, you're under arrest. Okay, what are you gonna do?" They'll read you your rights and go show up tomorrow morning at the uh, police department. Yeah, what in the world? Yeah, yeah, what? <laughs> like, I mean, talk about the rule of law, right? It's when you think you've seen it all. Just when you think you've seen it all. Uh, you, you, I don't know. That, again, it has to circle back to the book and just be boredom. It has to be. It it has to, but but then it, it's it, it's it's the madness, okay? So he talks about at the end. He's talking about the uh, he calls it instituting a curse, right? And and he also talk and he mentions deconstruction too. And this is it. See, two things the underground man talks about, right? He talks about deconstruction, and then he talks about instituting a curse. 
So the deconstruction is religious deconstruction, which we see uh, in Christianity these days, and we see all over the modern world, but also deconstruction of the institutions, right? I mean, people don't, and sometimes, I mean, sometimes I think, um, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, so we see everything from, everything from um, the, the, the media uh, to um, everything from the media um, to, uh, you know, yep. institutions like the banking, right. in, banking institutions, right? Uh, media institutions, banking institutions, um, these institutions, they're all being deconstructed, right? Um, Bitcoin, right? I mean, what is Bitcoin other than a deconstruction of it's, an, it's okay, I'm going to educate myself and then I'm going to deconstruct what I learn and then I'm going to, and then I'm going to introduce this, uh, like a chaos. And, and again, it goes back to, and again, in the chapter, the underground man says, okay, every person is going to put forth their individuality and their personality. They want their stamp of their individual personality, right? So you have a bunch of techie libertarians, right? What are their skills? I mean, their skills are in these nerdy, you know, techie you know, kind of Peter Thiel kind of uh, kind of kind of areas. So, how are they going to put their stamp on the world? Deconstruct financial sector, introduce Bitcoin, and then develop it. And that in itself is a way to introduce chaos into an established institution, which is done through boredom, right? Boredom because your average techie libertarian leads a pretty decent life. I mean, right? Does he have six Super Bowls? No. Has he won three point contest? No, but doesn't really need to, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, when he's he's sitting on the can and he's thinking about what what how bad his yeah. life is, it ain't that bad. Well, as long as he can put things in perspective, right? yeah. He, well, yeah, I mean, and, and that's true. Uh, as long as he can he can put things in perspective, but you know, we have this the deconstruction of the institutions is the one thing, and then the other is the curse, right? And and again, we were talking about the police and about how. Um, you know, we have uh, over the phone and, and, and these things. It, it's kind of like, you know, so if you're going to have the rule of law, right? You have the rule of law. I mean, are you following oh, me I here? Think I, yeah, I want to make sure I'm making sense here. probably what I'm thinking. Yeah, go ahead. If you have the rule of law, it applies to everyone. And it has to be done through, you have to have, for example, the legal, the legal application of force, right? A police officer, you're going to have to be able to fix the solution, Right. So uh, if you're going to be a citizen, if you're going to be a citizen, you have to obey the laws. Policemen have to be able to, yep. the policemen have to be able to enforce those laws. Same thing in the schools, right? In the schools, if you're going to have behavior in the schools, then you need to be able to enforce the, 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 uh, to enforce the standards and the teachers. The teachers can no longer yep. do it and the policemen can no longer do it, right? So you have this deconstruction of the institutions. The schools are deconstructed. The police departments are deconstructed, and then they introduce the curse, you know, introduce the curse. So, for example, um, you know, so for example, uh, the, the police will no longer, no longer uh, arrest people. They'll say, well, you're going to uh, call, you're going to call this phone number, or um, you're going to have to show up at the precinct the next day. And so that's kind of like introducing a curse into the system. So now you kind of have this curse. Uh, and in the schools, uh, we see... Um, 
and then in the schools, we see uh, a lot of the indoctrination and the the, the kind of uh, you know the kind of the, the the grooming and the DEI that's in the schools now, um, and so. Uh, and so, and that that's different with the demographics and stuff. But you see that we introduce the curse into our lives, and so this is a kind of madness that allows us to feel like we are the individual. It allows us to express the personality, and it helps us to escape the boredom of this utopian vision where man is nothing but a piano key. Yeah. Like man's like an organ stop. Like he only does what he's he says thirty years in the chapter. I can I can stretch out my life for thirty years and I don't have to think. And think about the modern life, right? The modern life, uh, middle class existence, which is so which which is full of which is full of comfort, and 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 you can extrapolate. I mean, if you're um, you know look at um, you know look at Hunter Biden, right? I mean, he never had to work to have to do much. I mean, right? So right. he. You know, it always had the money coming in. And so what does that lead to? It leads to, and the underground man knows, right? The underground man knows. It leads to sleeping, eating, and endless sensualizing. And that's Hunter Biden right there. I mean, right? Yeah. 100%. I mean, you're like, you want to know about Hunter Biden? You only need to know three things. Because that's all he knows. That's why they grew up all screwed up. Macaulay Culkin, Leanne Rimes, whom I've personally met. You just get an air of, whoa. Like something is emotionally wrong with this person, right? And she, no, and she sure, she sure. acted like nice to not, me. It's not normal, whatever. Uh, like literally saying to me that was yep. a, little, a little weird. That was like wow, that was really cool. Um, <laughs> okay. But she was being hustled along <laughs> nice. by her managers and her her handlers, even though her husband her was handlers, right there yeah. on site with her. Uh, Eddie, I can't remember his last name. It doesn't really matter. Whatever. Eddie Cibrian. Um, you know, yeah, right, sure. He's right there, and he's got no say in anything she's doing at all. We've left all Bible principles just entirely gone. You, know, you said something about punishment earlier, and um, you know, we got states that argue yeah. uh, the death penalty back and forth and whatever, um, and whether or not right, people true. should be punished. And this isn't the only... Uh, example here. We're not just talking uh, punishment for sin, though what I'm about to mention is obviously a sin. It's murder. Um, but punishment is biblical because it mm. it helps keep things in order, which is how God intended things to be. Exodus right. 21, yeah. 12 reads, whoever yeah. strikes a man so that he dies sure. shall be put to death. I believe that's Texas's policy. <laughs> I don't uh in Oklahoma recently actually right. from what I've heard but I I don't think it's uh mm-hmm. I don't think it's many other people's policy not not popularly anyway not popularly you know it's interesting it's not just murder uh and I can uh, we can throw up a link if we can remember uh but uh they actually uh just interesting some studies came out uh, with blue laws right um you know people uh God says Right. You, know, you take yep. the Sabbath. Not, not going to work on the Sabbath, right? You know that you can actually establish a correlation between the ending of blue laws and the sense of the rise in depression and the sense of hopelessness in people in those areas. That the longer those people, that you can actually track it. That depression and hopelessness, sense a sense of hopelessness rises 
it, it starts with the beginning when blue laws end, and it gets worse the longer. Yeah. Well, that's that because it goes people lose their laws. sense of comfort, their sense of stability. Sure. Yeah, and people right. people want that. Yeah, no no right, different sure. than a kid uh, during their upbringing needs. Um, yeah. Uh, stability is not the word I'm looking for. Um, they need they need consistency. They need structure. Structure is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Like, just like a kid needs structure, structure, structure because yeah. they don't know what is good for them yet. They haven't figured it out. So you guide them, and they actually yeah, crave right. structure. When you take right. a kid, when you take a kid right, out of the they home, do, yeah. and they have no structure, yeah, man, you want to talk about a kid just their behavior is horrible. But you want to talk about them being in depression? It's bad, really mm. bad. And you would yeah. think the opposite, right? Because you think, really oh, bad. kids just want to yeah. be free and do whatever they want. That would make them happy. Wrong. Right. They crave structure. Wrong. Yeah. And as we get older, people change. Mm. But humans are still humans. Why do we want law and order? Why? That's actually starting to be yeah. a, a, a tipping point where the liberals have lost part of their vote. Is some is some mm. of even the liberals have said, uh, well, well, defund the police? Um, sounded like a good idea in theory. Right. In practice, it sucks. Right? You got people moving their, right. their companies from uh, yeah, Chicago exactly. to, to Florida. Yeah, because of the crime rate. That's exactly right. Um, yep. yep. That's exactly I just read right. about a hedge fund that just just moved there um, out of Chicago, but but that was their reasoning. Yeah, people leaving California. Yeah. 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 Uh, heavy uh, heavy shipping too. I uh, didn't. Uh, um, John Deere. Who makes the tractors? Right. Uh, Kubota. Yeah. Uh, no, not John Deere. Is the other one. Yeah, yeah, you got a bunch of them. The big one that in Chicago has moved out. Yeah, that was just huge. Surprise me at all. When were they happiest? You know, when you had Trump in office, who was enforcing law and order, who was not defund the police, right? And then you had the, you know, you got the tax issues, whatever. Uh, Yeah, people always go back and forth on, but all through the Bible, there is punishment for different things. Leviticus twenty four seventeen: Whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. So there it is again. We got an Exodus. We got in Leviticus. How many times do we have to have things established by God and we just ignore them? That's why I, I don't know. Well, but we even ignore them in the church, though. I mean, and that's the thing is, is like, how many times have you heard like, okay, so I don't think it could be a hundred percent, right? How many churches actually are say are? You know, the law of the Old Testament right. yeah. is a righteous law. It is. Right? I mean, it's a righteous law. I mean, the law is good. So the law may not apply right, right any longer in a, a state of grace. Yep. Right? We live in a state of grace. But the law yes. is good and righteous. And it is meant, it is intended for good. Yeah, they're for all It is intended time. for man's yep. good and man's flourishing. So, yeah. And so, you don't. You know, you don't have churches that come out with this narrative necessarily. So you have churches will come out and they, they want to they want to focus on grace, they want to focus on yep. on popularity and on relevancy, and instead and they lose their way because they've built an institution on the assumption yep. of this cultural hegemony. You know, where yep. where where you know we're all in it together, and 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 you know, and so uh, 
you know, we're all in it together. Uh, and, and instead of calling out um, what, uh, instead of calling out what is obviously wrong, um, you know, you, you don't, when an individual, okay, so do unto others yep. as you would have done, done unto yourself. Yeah. All right, so the golden rule, right? So you're looking outside of yourself. Well, people don't do this any longer. People look inside of themselves. And when people look for a self-discovery, they're looking at their own happiness. They're trying to make themselves happy. And so the churches, if they want to connect with people, they they have to play the same game, right? They have to play. They have to say, okay, well, the, the, some aspect of this service or some aspect of what we do has to make people feel good about themselves, because that's how people orient their lives, and so a, a lot of these pastors, some of the, or some of these pastors, have lost the plot, right? And they've lost the plot in terms of having, in terms of looking out at a sea of people and thinking, well, I have a responsibility to, I have a responsibility in one aspect. I need to connect this this thought that yeah. people are going to be fulfilled and happy in their lives, and then I need, and then conversely, the opposite is also true. I need to take this thing that obviously shows them that they're in error. And I need to yep. kind of shield them from it because it's going to make them feel bad, right? And they try to live in the center. And so that eventually can become a lifestyle. I mean, it can become, it can become, you can become so, so immersed in that that it, it, it eventually becomes your narrative. And it's like a Christian narrative that completely it, it ignores the goodness of the yeah. law and the righteousness of God, right? You know, that, that God mm-hmm. is, is a righteous God. God is a sovereign God. You know, we say sovereign God, and, and, and what does sovereign even mean? I mean, it's, it's interesting, you know. Sovereign means you get to do what you want. And, and really, I mean, that's, that's really where God is. I mean, God, you're a sovereign God. You get to do, it, you yeah, get to have to say. It's, you know, it's, it's will be done. You get to make yeah. the call. Right. No, and yeah, I was right. watching yeah, a yeah. Um, documentary. On, actually, it wasn't a documentary. No, it was a sermon from... Uh, a pastor who was kind of speaking out against these types yeah. of pastors, and he was asking, he said, do you love your yeah. flock or do you love your ministry? Because he was talking about churches right. that plant themselves just in order to raise up other um, other churches rather than minister to that yeah. flock and send out uh, missionaries. And he said, by the way, let, since we're on the word, missionary. He said, do you have any idea what that word mm. is? In the Greek, that word is apostle. That's actually where we get the word missionary from. Mm. And of course, we don't have apostles anymore. He said, but yeah, these, these missionaries, sure. you know, half time, we support them. We didn't even send them out. You know, we're not, a, we're not the sending church. We don't know yeah. them from anywhere at all. Right. And he right. was calling out Right. These, well, that's right. These pastors that that do this, and he says, "Here's your measure on how much you love your flock. How do you treat, and how much do you love your most disobedient, lost member?" Yeah. He said, "Are you right. having dinner with the big boys, or are you counseling that person?" Mm. He said, "The people." The, the pastors yeah. that pastor a 50 to 75 person church will have the biggest mark on heaven. Yep. And mm-hmm. he said, every now and again, yep. the Lord will raise up somebody that right. doesn't 
it's not their aspiration to be huge. And he wasn't talking Joel Osteen, Creflo right. Dollar. I think he had mentioned maybe Keith sure. Copeland. I'm I'm not exactly sure. Um but only right. a couple did he did he mention. Um and he clearly shied away from ones that were obviously in it for filthy lucre. Um but he said every once in yeah. a while the Lord might raise one of those guys up. He says, uh, but even they acknowledge how difficult it is to stick to biblical principles when you have that many people in your flock. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just like, it's in, like in, in Proverbs, right? I think it's, it's Proverbs, you know, I say, I think it's Proverbs 30, you know, it, a pastor talks about this as well, you know, is, you know, pray, Lord, don't make me too rich. Don't make me too poor. You know, if I become too rich, right. Then I don't need God anymore. You know, and then that's, and, and so it's right in the Bible. You know, I mean, it's not a mystery, you know, what happens? Well, you have everything. You don't need God anymore. Right. So, and, and you'll forsake him. And then if you're too poor, then, you know, you're, 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 you're tempted to steal. You'll break God's law just to be able to survive. You know, you're not you're not at that point where you're 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 sacrificing everything. You know, you're 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 you break God's law just to be able to to move forward to survive. So the prayer is not too not too large, not too small, to you know, not too live rich, in that not little too poor. Comfort zone, but even Paul said he knows how to be uh, what both uh, be a base and a bound or something, right? So you, even yeah, right, Paul right, right. knew how to live yeah, in moderation true. when he didn't need to, but live in moderation when he did need to. Uh, so. Right, right. That's right. Right. Very good. Right. Wow. Very good. All right. Wow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, all right, that should conclude us today. I think uh, I made a promise to you, Steve, we, before we gotta, I uh, we before we sign off. That we need to cover. Because I've been waiting for this. We do. I would love to know, and if it's like you meant Michael <laughs> Jordan or something, I'm I'm gonna I'm, I might be a little covetous here. <laughs> All right, you, you might a little bit, right? All right, a little bit. All right, so a little bit. All right, so here's my story. Right? Go ahead. Ready for my Michael Jordan story? All right, all right. So personally, I myself have never been to Chicago. I've not seen a Bulls game. But I have friends, or I have a friend who lived in Chicago, and uh, he he told me a story one time. It's a great story. It's a true story. I'm one of my great friends, and um, so I know he's telling the truth. And so he told me um, he told me about uh, someone he knew that managed a UPS store, and he managed a UPS store right in uh, right in the center of Chicago, and. Uh, this was an area where uh, it was not unusual to see, you know, to see stars every once in a while and see people. And so um, the staff at this UPS store would have this little game they would play. And so the manager would be back in his office and the staff would, uh, they'd uh, like to rib him. So they'd, uh, they'd go, oh, uh, they'd go, uh, you know, they'd go, uh, they go, hey, 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 you know, uh, they go, guess what? They go, we got Scotty Pippen out front, man. We got Scotty Pippen out front. You know, he's, he's he's coming in. He wants to get some boxes, right? And so the manager who was a big Bulls fan, right, super fan. He would get out. He go, oh, whoa! And he, you know, he'd get out of his desk and he run out. You know, run out, look around. Where is he? Where is he? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? You know, and then people, and then all start laughing. You know, ah, you know, it was a big joke. Oh, you know, no. Scotty Pippen didn't come in. You know, he's made you run out. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. So, and they would do the same thing. You know, they'd say, uh, you know, like Steve Kerr or someone, you know, or, or uh, you know, or Dennis Rodman. They'd say, hey, you know, Robin's coming in, man. Robin, he's, you know, get out. And Bill, oh, get off the register, you know, and he'd run out and he'd do it, and, you know, and look out. And they did this to him quite a bit, you know. So, and so, anyhow, so eventually he got really sick of it, right? So he stopped coming. And one day, that's a true story. One day. It hurts already. One day, the guys behind. <laughs> Guys behind one one day, guys behind guys behind the register. He's not paying attention. He uh, hears his voice. He goes, "Excuse me." He looks up from the register. He looks up, and Michael Jordan is standing right there. And he doesn't say anything. He's too shocked. And Jordan looks at the guy, and Jordan goes, uh, "I got some boxes out of my car, and I need some help bringing them in. Can I get somebody to help me bring these in?" And he asks for help. Well, the you know, the the super fan, right? It's back in the office. This is a big chance. And everybody knew it was a dream. So they go, they go, well, they go, well, hold on. They go, you know, we, we, we're going to ask someone and get someone to come out. So they go in the back and they, they say, hey, you know, they say, Michael Jordan's out front and he's got boxes in his car. He needs someone to help him. You know, you want to go out there and help him? And, uh, and he goes, he goes, no, no, I'm not falling for it this time, you know. And he says, no, 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 it's true. Michael Jordan is out there, and he's got boxes. And he's, and he says, no, no, I'm not coming out. Don't believe me, this, you know. And he says, it's a bunch of bull, you know. And he says, no, 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 we're not. We're this real, right? So anyhow, true story, right? The guy, he's, he's really upset, and he wasn't, he wasn't like taking it anymore. He goes to the top of his voice. He goes, true story. He goes, he goes, listen. He goes, get out of my office. If Michael Jordan's out there. You tell him oh, to get his own damn boxes. No, he did not. Oh, no. <laughs> and the guy, and I guess Jordan's eyebrows, I guess oh, his eyebrow went, because no. he heard the whole thing. And, 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 and he goes, his eyebrows went straight up. He didn't say a word. He turned around, and he started oh. walking out. And he started walking out. Well, anyways, the guy figured it out, and he ended up. He chased Jordan out. He, he when he got he came out of his desk and he came flying out there, and he chased Jordan out to his car, and uh, he chased Jordan out to his car, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry." I'm like, "I didn't want I'm so sorry." And he's trying to explain it, and he was just devastated. And Jordan wouldn't give him the time of day. And it, it ended you know, like that. So, Jordan uh, got his so, car and like, left, and was like, "Whatever." Yeah. So, no, that what's that? No, they, they guess Jordan blew him off. He wouldn't talk to him. And then a bunch of people came out, and then they got the boxes in pronto because there was like three or four people. Oh, so they still did what Jordan needed, but Jordan wouldn't even talk to the guy for that. Oh, no. Yeah, no, no, Jordan. No. I mean, Jordan I can't say that that surprises me, given the fact that. Yeah, he goes, He goes, Michael Jordan's oh, out boy. there. You tell him he can bring in his own damn boxes. That's rough. <laughs> Rough man, I, I don't, rough I, man. Like I don't idolize, rough. you know, or whatever. Uh, any, any. Yeah, I hear, any you hate to see that opportunity go by. I, I don't, I don't know that I ever idolized people. I used to look up to to stars quite a bit when I was a kid, and there would have been some that I would have been very sure, sure. starstruck to meet. And uh, he was at the top of my list yeah. for years. So yeah, years. So, wow, a long time. Huh? I can imagine <laughs> what that guy. Must have felt like, wow, <laughs> that's horrible. Over and over again, because these guys would do it all the time, every time, like almost every day. They'd say, hey, you know, like this guy, you know, a guy come in, and, 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 and eventually he would, he just stopped. He burned him out on it. And then one day, you know, he said, Mr. Jordan, I'm so sorry. I'm no. so sorry, Mr. Jordan. No. I, 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 I M- MJ ain't letting you take that. No, 
No. He ain't got no. No. The guy. No. Ah, man. That no. guy has a lot of. Yeah, I mean. What an opportunity, too. I I would have looked at it that way, you know, back back when I was a kid. I, I would have yeah. been like, oh, man. Today, sure. I don't really care. As a, as a as a grown adult, right, um, right, whatever, just a dude. Put you know, probably <laughs> he eats breakfast, yeah. and after that, our similarities end, right? Right, I mean, right, right, I right. Got a whole lot That's in right. with that guy. <laughs> I will say one thing: he was smart sure. enough to shut up about politics, which seems to be about a fifty-fifty split with today's stars, like. Like you're making music yeah, and no, money. It's really shut true, yeah. up. Stop talking right, about which political right. candidate you support. Don't even vote. Forget it. Yeah. It doesn't count anyway. Is it is it worth your whole career? Right. Right? Like like if right, Tom right. Brady wasn't Tom That's true. Brady, how much support that dude would have lost? He'd have yeah. probably been thrown out of the NFL. Well, a lot of it is I think a lot of it with these stars, you know, it's 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 because they if you're a star, right? So, like, if you're Jack Nicholson and you like the Lakers, right? Well, you're gonna go to every Laker game, and you're gonna have cameras on you, and you're gonna have access yeah. to to Phil Jackson and all these all this stuff. So, you know, is it really like being a fan? I mean, do you wake up every you wake up in the morning and you're jittery because a big game's on today, and you're like, oh man, what's gonna happen? You know, you get that that jittery feeling. You know, like Jack Nicholson doesn't have that feeling, right? So. I think for them, a lot of it is like sports, you know, that a lot of it is, it's like, it's like religion. I mean, it's like, it's like, um, uh, you know, it's the same instinct. It's the same instinct that a religious person might have in, in telling someone else about God that they want that they want to have that team sport aspect where they want to, they want to win and they want to be able to, to, to have influence. It's kind of like being Kobe, you know, like if you're an actor, right? Like, a famous actor, take a famous actor. A famous actor doesn't want to be like other famous actors. He wants to be like a famous athlete. And a famous athlete don't want to be like other famous athletes. They'd rather be famous actors. And we see this because famous athletes become actors. And then, um, and you'll see even sometimes famous uh, actors will become, you know, politicians or other cultural figures. Jesse Ventura uh, like, did um, that. Like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Jesse Ventura did that, right? He did that. Yep. Arnold Schwarzenegger did that. Ronald Reagan you know, did that. Yep. Um, but look at um, Mark Cuban. Yep. And that's another example, right? So, um, and he's another good example. So you have, um, you have all these people that they don't want what they want. They, they get bored and, and, and it's become, it becomes a baseline for them. And so they want outside of the baseline. And so if you're a famous person, if you're a sports star or you're a celebrity, you want something bigger than yourself. And so a, politics, a lot of that, yeah, it, I just don't the see the point in those folks, stepping foot you know? into that arena until your career's over. You know, Jesse Ventura was done wrestling. Right. Arnold Schwarzenegger was done acting. Yeah, that's true. You know, they were done with their right. other career before they stepped into their other career. I don't, like, why blow up your current career? Yeah. You got people that are like, as soon as they can get in front of a microphone in front of any sort of crowd, which is when they should be shutting up the most... Right. Yeah, look at the Dixie Chicks. Right, right. Bye. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Do you realize you're right, country right. singers? That's true. Do you understand your demographic? <laughs> you are not getting anywhere. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, no, and that's true. But then again, you know, the underground man talks about it, right? It's that pension for self-destruction. 
I mean, you know, he says, uh, you know, like reason versus will, right? I mean, if we lived in a utopia, man would tear down the utopia. He'd go <laughs> yeah, and well, at least you're making it exciting for us so I don't have it, to destroy you know? my own life for excitement. I can just turn on any one of the well, <laughs> social media sites and just check it out whenever I feel like it. I'll, I'll right, whenever you feel like it, right? There you go. Through them. <laughs> Whatever. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will join you again for chapter number nine of Notes from Underground, The Underground Man, and our journey through Blunderville. Thank you for joining Tom and Steve on the Blunderground Railroad. Join us next time as we seek to travel from ignorance to knowledge. And check out their other podcasts, Notes from Blunderground and the Digital Blunderground. See you next time 